Welcome to another episode of the Golf.com podcast. I'm your host, Sean Zock. Today, I am joined by my colleague, Marika Waschishin. In a little while, we'll also be joined by world number one, Lydia Ko. But for now, we're going to talk about the LPGA Tour. It's an easy argument to make, Marika, and I'm going to just jump right into it. The LPGA right now, I think, is as great as it's ever been. We've seen great players in the past, but right now we had like this incredible crop of young, blazing talent out there. And you know the names, I know the names, and anyone on that really pays attention to the PGA Tour also knows the names. That's how popular and how great these ladies have become. I'm just kind of curious from your perspective if you agree with that sentiment, because we've had some blazing stars of the past that have kind of made the path for what the LPGA Tour has become today. Do you believe that what it has become today is better than it's ever been? Oh, no question. And I will thank you for having me on the podcast today, Sean. It's a pleasure to join you. Um, but no question, the LPGA is is just exponentially hitting heights that it has never hit before. And I think that you've seen that over the last uh, even just six or seven years that Mike Wan has been commissioner. He has a lot to do with that in terms of planning these tournaments. Of course, the talent is great. And it's really awesome to see these women consistently shooting low 60s in these in, yeah. in these tournaments it's it's like high high caliber golf that we're seeing and it's refreshing to see that the top 10 are from a variety of countries. Now, of course, they are dominated by the Koreans, but you have Americans in there, you have Thai, you have a Canadian, you have uh, Chinese, you have all over the yeah. place. You know, it's the diverse. golf is, it, it. the LPGA is a global game and it's cool. It's really cool to see. Yeah, it's probably as diverse as any of the other major sports mm-hmm. out there. When you actually think about wh- what countries these ladies are coming from, when you look at the top 10, I said the ages before, it's ridiculous how young and uh, how just incredible the the accomplishments that have been made by them. You look at the top 10, you've got a 19-year-old, 21-year-old, 27, 22, 24, 26, 22, 27, 28, and 24. There's no 30s out there. I understand that a lot of women on the LPGA Tour They'll fade off a little bit. They will think about other things, focus their careers a little bit elsewhere eventually once they get into their in, into their mid-30s uh, and into their 40s. But it, it's incredible that this crop of talent is this young and it's at the top. And like you said, Mike Wan, what he's doing, he added four more events this year to the schedule. They're really blow, blowing out the entire yearly schedule, which is cool because that's what the PGA Tour is at right now. You can't really fit any more room into that schedule. The LPGA, the LPGA Tour is trending in that direction. They've made their port, their purses bigger. There's a lot more work to be done there, obviously. That goes without yeah. saying. But it's increasing. Baby steps will eventually get somewhere. Yep. Yeah, no, There's uh, the LPGA will have the most events that it's ever had. They'll, they'll have 35 in uh, 2017, uh, two more in the U.S., and uh, that includes the 2017 Solheim Cup. It'll be in Des Moines, Iowa, and that's going to be huge, I think, for American women's golf because we do know how po- popular it is in other parts of the world. But in America, it, the LPGA definitely, even though it's an American-based tour, definitely lags in popularity behind the PGA Tour. Um, And just to your point about the women who make up that top 10, you know, you have people like Arya Jatanagarn who, quite honestly, kind of came out of nowhere last year. Uh, She won for the first time last year and then won 
five times in in the entire year like she is a five time (laughs) career winner on the lpga and she did it all in one year so to see that the the level of of expertise and skill it comes all at once with these women and Mm -hmm. i want to kind of jump back to your point here about you know about the age I, i am on the old age of that (laughs) <laughs> the top 10 there. I'm looking at these numbers and I'm going, oh, yeah, cool. Okay. Sure. You know, when I was 19, I wasn't dominating the world golf scene um, or anything in my own field for that matter. But I was you know, dominating waking up at, like, <laughs> at the time my alarm goes off. Yeah. Yeah. Most. You know, planning my college schedule around like the night so that I could sleep in. Um, but, you know, you look at these women and it is a fact of life no matter where you go. Uh, it's it's not just sports, it's business, it's it's anything. A lot of women leave whatever field they are excelling in to start families, to do these things. You know, Lorena Ochoa was in the news recently because she has said that she's going to come and play an exhibition Isn't for her, awesome? her event. It is amazing. But you look at the reason why we haven't seen her for a long time. She's not old. She wanted to raise kids <laughs> and actually have a family. She retired at 28. That would be like me next year saying, I'm done with this whole golf writing thing, like I'm out, you know? So it's unfortunate because there is just this other thing. It's not an unfortunate in the way that, you know, these women are making their choices and raising a family and getting married is, I think, one of the most honorable things a woman can do. I think it's awesome. But they feel, these women feel, that they are in the prime of their careers right now. Mm -hmm. And if they're not excelling at 19, 20, 21, when is there going to be time to? Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely a different play than yeah. than the PGA Tour. Yeah, we'll hear Lydia Coast's thoughts on that. I'm sure with your interview her here with her in a little bit. But before we actually get her on the phone, I want to talk about her rival because, as you said, Jatanagern, she's incredible and she's done it uh, only in the most recent of time. But I get the thought that despite her kind of challenging Lydia, I think that actually could be better than Lydia. Like, it's great to have the 19-year-old dominant player who's number one. She's been up number one for over a year now. A long time. And it's great to have that, but it's even better to have someone pushing her. That's what I think. I mean, totally. I think that you start to realize that there's someone breathing down your back, and it really gets you to focus on what you're good at. Uh, and we saw that a couple of times last season on the LPGA, the rivalry between Lydia and Aria. Um, So far this year, Aria has three top tens out of the four events she's played. So a a second place finish, a tie for third, and a tie for eighth. So she is tracking to have another hot year like she started off with. And you have to remember that Aria has only been on tour for two years. This is only her second season. She was a rookie in 2015. So um, if you look at her trajectory... Lydia Ko should watch out. And I mean, and, and that's that goes for all of the players. Inby Park, you know, with her win recently, I'm sure was also feeling the pressure. Inby is someone who has been at the top of her game for a long time. She had an injury, so she went away for a while. And people, I don't think people forgot about her necessarily, but then she comes back and wins and they're, oh yeah, Inby, yeah, she is really good at golf. So I think that these players, they're looking at the Aria Gitana Garns of the world and they're saying, ooh, we have to pick up our socks. And it just makes, the game that much better for all the women. Yeah, it happens in all sports that you'll have um, not necessarily a level of complacency, but consistency and and not like these bouts of greatness. And then all of a sudden, someone jumps into the fold that you didn't expect. 
and they kind of throw things off a little bit. It's a bit of a wrench in the the normal system. So that's what Aria had been uh, all of last year, and is starting to do again this year. She's pushing Co. Uh, the the gap between them in the Rolex World Rankings ever smaller. It is. It is getting <laughs> it's tight. A sliver. It's getting tight, but uh, it really will will only push. I think Lydia even further. She's she's working on things. She's working around with her swing. Big changes she made in the off season. I'm excited to hear what you have to say to her. But one of the things that of the discussion surrounding her is like, this is what Tiger Woods did mm-hmm. back when Tiger Woods was really young and had all the promise. And everyone's like, why? Why are you fixing a swing that just helped you win the Masters by 12 strokes? Why are you trying yeah. to do things differently? So it's it's certainly a question you're gonna have to ask her. But it's it's weird. It felt weird when when the, it was announced. Interesting parallel. I didn't think about it in that term because I, I feel like any time we try to make a like Tiger <laughs> comparison, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do, um, especially when you're talking about the women and men's game. It's hard to compare the two. But I would actually agree with you in that. You know, I think all of us looked at that one stretch of I think it was over two weeks. She had gotten rid of. She had changed equipment. She'd gotten rid of her caddy and she'd gotten rid of her coach. Mm-hmm. And it was like, why? But why? You what, know, like, what's what, going on? you know, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it is usually, yeah. I mean, what most people do. Sometimes golfers, it's not totally shocking. I feel like there have been golfers in the past who have made swing changes, Tiger, as you said, um, and maybe didn't need to. Um, but I don't know. I guess Lydia saw something. I, I you know, talked about this in something I wrote. Um, for a freelance piece when Josh Sens, our colleague, interviewed me about it. And I'm not worried about Lydia. I'm not worried that, you know, even though she hasn't had the best start to her season, um, she still has had two top tens with this new swing. So she knows what she's doing. Uh, I think it might have been maybe a little bit of growing pains. You know, she is 19. Maybe she's realizing she's starting to take a little bit more control of her own her own destiny. but yeah, it was a little shocking to see all of that happen all at once and kind of caught everybody off guard. But yeah. hey, if she knows what she's doing, exactly. can't falter. It, we'll see what happens and what comes of this new swing. Um, but the reason that the Tiger comparison, I think, fits is because she's done a number of Tiger-esque things mm-hmm. on her tour, in her sport, in her career. Sure. But anyways, we can put that all aside for now. We can get to your interview with her. Marika, take it away. Great. Well, uh, Lydia, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to have you on the Golf.com podcast. Let's kick things off with your recent play. There's been a little bit of criticism in the media about you not having found your footing quite yet. Three events into the season, you do have two top tens. Uh, How do you feel about your game right now and and where you're at? Yeah, um, obviously the biggest uh, goal for the season was to to have a little bit more accuracy in my uh, driving fairway percentage. Um, and then uh, I think that would definitely help, you know, the greens and regulations percentages as well. So, yeah, I think those are the two biggest things that we're working on and then working. Uh, but, you know, I feel like we're my game's going in the right direction. And um, it was definitely good to see, you know, the positives um, from the offseason. Sure. So you've been number one in the world for 72 consecutive weeks since October 2015. How do you manage that kind of staying power in a very competitive league nowadays? Um, you know, it's actually been a lot of fun, you know, obviously being in this position. And you know, it had been my goal uh, you know, to hopefully be the number one player uh, 
in the future, and I guess it came a lot earlier than I would have ever dreamt of and imagined. Um, but no, it's uh, the tour has got so many competitive and talented players that you know, week in week out, you never know who's going to be holding the trophy at the end of Sunday. Um, so that's why I've been trying to you know work hard to try and keep up, and you know it's, it's I think been a lot of fun rather than. You know, getting worried about you know who's second and who's trying to chase, and at the end of the day, we're all trying to make as many birdies as we can and play the best we can to you know hopefully be the one you know hosting that uh, trophy at the end of Sunday. Sure. Well, at the end of the day, it is a competition. Uh, who would you say would be your biggest competition nowadays? There's a couple of people I think that uh, would come to mind, but if I were to ask you for your own perspective, who would you name? Um, I would say the hottest player uh, right now is uh, Arya Jukanagarn. Um, I mean, she's been playing consistently well, and you know, even uh, in the coming second last week in Singapore. And I mean, she's I think got a lot of confidence in her game, and she really deserves to have that confidence. And you know, she's not only hitting it long, uh, but you know, she's you know, hitting it straight with that length, and then you know, putting well. You know, as well, so it's, it's a great combination, and I think that she is currently the the hottest player on the. So you mentioned that you're pleased with things that you've worked on in the off season. The off season brought up a lot of changes for you. We saw there for a couple of weeks that everything was being overhauled. Why so many big moves in the off season? You won four times last year. You had ten other top tens. It seemed like everything was sort of gelling, but you made a lot of changes. How come? No, it wasn't really planned to, you know, to try and change everything, you know, at the same time. You know, just kind of one kind of happened, and then, you know, a little bit later, I felt like something else needed to, you know, could improve. Um, so that's why I changed. Um, but you know, no matter, you know, what decision uh, you know, a player makes, I think it's because, you know, we think that there is room to improve on and, you know, get better at it. And no matter what ranked player you are um, and how well you're playing, I think there is always something you can get better at. So and that was kind of the mindset I was trying to take. And obviously, last uh, you know, last few seasons has been you know, really uh, an awesome uh, few seasons. But you know, I, I did feel like hey, you know, there were you know some aspects of my game that that couldn't. What specifically uh, do you think was sort of the most difficult thing to change during that uh, overhaul? Uh, probably, you know, changing coaches is the hardest thing, and you know, especially you know, with David. Um, you know, I didn't feel like it was just as if he was, a, well, David and Sean, as if they were um, just swing coaches. You know, they gave me advice off the golf course, and you know, they were a little bit more than just the coach and student relationship. But you know, uh, I felt like I needed a bit more consistency, and you know, I thought you know, it would be. I wouldn't mind, you know, having another perspective and another person that would kind of see the swing. And, uh, you know, I think it's been a pretty smooth transition. And, you know, I've been liking the things that I've been seeing so far with the swing and long game. I'm glad you brought up uh, your your split with David Ledbetter because I think uh, that was something that was surprising to a lot of people who follow golf media. Um, He came out and, and... said some things uh, in a couple of different outlets. Were you hurt by the comments that he made publicly about the split? Um, have you since spoken to him about that and, and sort of 
mended that relationship a little bit? Oh, I mean, I haven't talked to David, uh, you know, since, um, you know, I guess talking to him about, you know, that the decision I made. Um, but no, I'm pretty sure I'll see him soon down the road, uh, you know, maybe at the any inspiration. And, you know, um, when we see each other, I think we'll, you know, still say hi and, you know, give each other a, you know, a big hug. And at the end of the day, I know uh, David is a great person and, you know, also a great coach. And, you know, uh, I've learned a lot about my game, uh, you know, working with him and Sean the past few years. So, yeah, I mean, everybody has their own opinions. Uh, so, you know, I, I can't really speak for somebody else. But, you know, I, at the end of the day, I know that David is, you know, a great person. And, you know, I respect uh, him as both, you know, a great coach and a great person. Um, I like that you mentioned that, you know, as a as a young uh, golf player, it, it was more than just a <clears throat> coach player, coach student relationship that you had. Um, now that you've sort of gone through this change and you've brought another team and you have another caddy, do you feel a little bit more guarded now when it comes to inviting people into your inner circle? Um, no, I guess it's uh, I think even though golf is a very uh individual sport because there's only one player that's literally hitting the ball. I think at the same time, it's a very team-related sport where you need a very strong team around you, coaches, agents, uh, trainers. (laughs) Um, And I think that's a huge aspect of, I think, being confident and being able to trust the people around you. And um, I think from every relationship, I've been able to learn from that and you know, and trying to see, you know, what works best with me. Um, and, you know, but even, I think, going into the future, there's always going to be things that, you know, I can learn from. Sure. Swing-wise, if we're talking about the technical aspect of your swing, um, have you sort of adhered to the same philosophies that you worked on with David, or are you going in a completely different direction with your new coach? Um, you know, like, technically, we haven't done a lot of things. You know, we've changed a little bit in the setup that kind of, um, and that kind of changed the takeaway. And then, you know, we're trying to make it as, as simple as possible. And, you know, Gary's you know, given me drills that I can do on the road so that you know, I'm not constantly thinking about, you know, how to put myself in a certain position. And it's just doing the drills, kind of the body remembers it. And I think that's a, a good approach to take it uh, so that, you know, I'm thinking less and, you know, I'm just able to go over the ball and, and just simply hit it. Sounds like a good philosophy to me. Um, so let's talk about the majors. Uh, the first major of the season is coming up. You are defending your title at the ANA Inspiration. What's your game plan going into the 2017 major season? Um, uh, you know, actually, for every season, you know, my goal is to you know, get a bit more consistent in playing the majors, and then that way, I think you're able to. Be in contention a little bit more, and then you know get those kind of opportunities to you know be in the lead or be around the lead. And next year's my favorite swing of events, uh, you know, on the West Coast, you know, playing in Phoenix and then Crowdbed, and then going over to Palm Springs for the first major of the year. Um, and I think those two tournaments, uh, you know, before the Amy Inspiration is a good one to kind of warm up and you know, get the confidence to kind of hopefully peak, uh, you know, for that first major. But, you know, it's, it's my favorite swing of events. Um, I love the West Coast. So, 
know it's uh, I think going to be a very exciting um, first major, especially and seeing you know the amount of talent um, that's you know, going on you know on the LPGA. Speaking of majors, the Masters is just one month away, just under one month away. Do you have a pick to win <laughs> from a female expert position? <laughs> um, I could definitely go with Hideki Matsuyama. Uh, you know, he's been playing you know, some amazing golf, and uh, I wish I could play like him. <laughs> um, but no, I so I'm a huge fan of golf in general, and, and I get to see some, you know, the golf at PGA Tour and European Tour, uh, and it's just it's great. And I think I I learned from that, and uh, yeah, you know, I think the PGA itself is at a very exciting time, just as much as you know our tour. Will you be heading to Augusta this year to participate in any of the par three stuff? I know you did that uh, last year, I think it was, uh, and it looked like you had a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I, I had a lot of fun um, training for Kevin now on one hole. Um, you know, maybe next time uh, you know, I can carry more than just one, um, but I think this time uh, I won't be able to go, and I, I'm planning to stay on the West Coast after. Well, maybe uh, at some point we'll be able to get the women to play on Augusta. I know it's something that you have mentioned would be a really cool thing, so maybe the next time you're there you can actually play a couple of holes in an event. That would be cool. I hope so. <laughs> so let's uh, skip ahead to the U.S. Women's Open. Um, it's headed to Trump National in Bedminster, New Jersey this year. And, of course, there's been a lot of uh, reporting around the USGA's relationship with Donald Trump and the PGA's relationship with Donald Trump uh, as the new president. Uh, and recently, a petition had collected over 100,000 signatures calling on the USGA to move the event from the course. Um I just want to get a feeling of what the general sense of it is on the LPGA. Is this something that the players have been discussing in the locker rooms at all? Do you hear people talking about um, the political side of things or whether or not they would boycott an event uh, if they were looking at the women's rights sort of side of it? Is this something that's discussed a lot on the LPGA? Um, I haven't really discussed much, uh, you know, about that, uh, you know, to other players. Um, and, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, um, we're, you know, trying to play on, you know, some of the best golf courses at probably the biggest, uh, you know, major championship. Uh, so, yeah, you know, um, I haven't really talked much. Uh, I haven't really said anything about that you know, to other players, uh, you know, about the golf course um, and and president. Uh, and, uh, you know, I try and... Um, I, I don't know much about politics. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't really have a huge say on that. So a couple of um, PGA professionals have played around with the new president. We've seen Rory McIlroy play and, and Tiger Woods. Would that be something you'd be interested in if Donald Trump called you up and said, Lydia, come play around with me? What would you say? Um, it'd be an honor, I guess, to play with the president. Um, but you know, I actually got to meet President Trump uh, when we played at uh, Trump Turnberry a couple of years ago. Um, and yeah, no, it's... Uh, I, actually i guess kind of cool to see you know, how supportive he has been in the golf uh, industry uh, but 
Yeah, and uh, I haven't had that call yet. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't know exactly. So many American women count the U.S. Women's Open as the most sought-after major they can win. What's your feeling on where that ranks in importance to you? Yeah, um, I, I would agree, even though I'm not an American player. Uh, I think, you know, no matter what sport you're playing, you know, the U.S. Open uh, is probably one of the biggest, uh, you know, major championships. And you know, it's a major championship that, you know, I would love to win, hopefully, you know, once in my career. I want to back up a little bit to the Olympics because we haven't had a chance to catch up with you uh, since Rio. Um I'd like to ru- you to run us through the last stretch of holes that had you top Shanshan Feng and win that silver medal right at the end of the round. What was going through your mind when that was all happening? Um, you know, uh, I was paired up with Jarena Pillar and then, uh, you know, MB Park uh, in that final day. And um, I was striking it, you know, pretty good on that final day, but I just wasn't able to get the pass to drop. And... Uh, you know, I saw the score or the leaderboard um, on like the 14th hole, and I said that you know I was kind of out of the top five position or somewhere around that, and then oh man, I need to you know make some birdies to you know hopefully be uh, you know standing on the podium. So I think the last three holes I played more aggressively than I had you know early in the week. Um, I'd always played up on 16, but. You know, uh, on that hole, um, I tried to, you know, drive it on the green, and I was able to hit a good shot and, you know, reach uh, so that I could have that eagle opportunity. And then I hit it, uh, you know, pretty close in 17. I I missed the putt, uh, but, you know, on the 18th, I think was probably uh, one of the most important putts um, I've ever had, you know, in my uh, short career so far. So. I think I because I kind of saw what position I was in. Um, I tried to you know be a bit more aggressive in the past uh, in the last three holes, and you know ended up you know working in my favor. Where does that silver medal rank in among your accomplishments, which are many in such a short time? Um, it's uh, I think my two major wins. Um, and. The silver medal is probably you know on the same level, uh, but you know I mean every win is something that you know I feel proud of, and you know every tournament is special in its own way. Uh, but you know even the the silver medal is you know you technically came second. Um, I think just being able to compete in the Olympics uh, and represent your country itself was uh, you know a win, and you know I think every. Every player there, you know, every Olympian there um, uh, was a winner, uh, and I think that's the great thing about the Olympics is that you know, I, you know, you didn't come second, you know, over somebody, you know, you are a, a gold medalist, a silver medalist, a bronze medalist, and just being able to represent your country in front of, you know, the whole entire world against, you know, the best, uh, you know, athletes, uh, I think itself is an accomplishment. So. You know, that's what I loved about the Olympics is that, you know, we all were winners at the week. So you've been vocal um, recently about the no women members policy at the Kasumigaseki Country Club in Tokyo, which is set to host the 2020 Games as of right now. If the policy didn't change, would you consider not playing or do you think that you'd want that Olympic experience again? 
fun. You know, being able to play in the Olympics was you know, probably one of the biggest highlights. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to you know, play in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, I, when I went to play in Japan last year, it was the second time I'd played in Japan, and you know, it was great to see you know, how supportive um, the people were there, all uh, not only the LPK players, but the LPK players, the crew players. So, so, uh, it just shows how popular golf is, and I think you know it's heading the right direction, and I'm sure one day that you know, the you know, the membership will change to allow women to, to play there too. Just a couple more fun kind of quick questions about some things we've seen on social media with you. Um, the Evian water bottle challenge with Maria Sharapova. Uh, have you tried to replicate that since catching it on Instagram? Um, well, after doing it, uh, well, actually, almost I did it like a hundred times. <laughs> I tried to do it for an hour and now I've to do it a couple of times. Um, but, you know, I haven't tried since. You know, the challenge itself. <laughs> um, the last time we spoke, which was back at the Coates uh, tournament in February of last year, you were getting your driver's license. Did you manage to get that finished? Can you legally drive around more than just a golf cart? Uh, I mean, I have my restrictions, but, you know, it hasn't, I haven't tried um, getting my full yet. Uh, and especially because I'm on the road so much and the off-season, you know, spending half my time away from the state that has been hard. But I guess it's something that you know, I've still got to uh, improve on. Uh, but I guess I'm trying to improve on both my driving accuracy with my driver-driver and obviously getting my driving better in the car, too. <laughs> I love that. Um, so you turn 20 next month in April. What's something that you are proud to have accomplished in uh, your 20 years of life, uh, that including some pretty amazing seasons of golf? And what's a goal that you would like to start off a new decade with? Um, I would say that uh, actually, one of the most proudest thing is for me is that um, uh, the little bit of uh, movement I've made in New Zealand uh, to see more juniors trying to take up the sport golf and you know for the general public to know more about it to you know, try and look it up and you know wake up in the morning to see you know, me and you know Danny Lee and Ryan Fox play you know on on our tours. So, I think that's one of the biggest things that, you know, they would make a little bit of a difference to uh, get people to, you know, learn more about the game, know more about the game, and, you know, start up the game. Too. So I think that's, you know, one of the biggest things I'm proud of. And, uh, you know, I, I said I'm going to retire uh, when I'm 30. So I've got another 10 years in front of me. Uh, but the golfing-wise, you know, I think the Grand Slam is, uh, probably one of the biggest goals um, that uh, I'm trying to work towards. Well, I'm sure I can speak for a lot of people to, that uh, were interested and excited to see what you're going to do with those 10 years uh, upcoming. Um, but thank you so much, Lydia, for, for joining us on the Golf.com podcast. We've really appreciated having the world number one here. And uh, we'll be watching your season closely. Thanks so much for joining us, Lydia. Thanks for having me. 
Well, not only is Lydia defending her title at the ANA Inspiration, she'll be looking to build on other things as well, a second place finish at the Founders Cup last year and a win at the 2016 Kia Classic. Big thanks to world number one Lydia Ko for calling in today and thank you for joining us on the golf.com podcast. If you liked what you heard with Lydia today, you can look for more from our conversation on my Twitter feed at Marika underscore A-W. That's M-A-R-I-K-A underscore A-W. For Sean Zock, I'm Marika Washtishan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.